Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. If you are enjoying the show, and I hope you are, I wanted to mention our Patreon because that is the best thing that you can do to support the show if you are so inclined. Patrons get access to every podcast a week early without any of the ads. There's also members-only channels in the Discord that I am super active in. I do Q&As, I do some giveaways, and for everyone who has asked, there's also a way to have me review your music or artwork or anything else that you would like to get my eyes or ears on. Every month, I do a call for submissions on Patreon. You post your work in the comments, and then I will review it live on Twitch and then post them to YouTube for everybody on Patreon as well. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, there's a link to that in the show notes for this podcast. Travis, Nick, thank you very much for uh, joining the show. I appreciate you making time for this. I know you guys got a lot, a lot of stuff going on. I see all those fancy uh, gold and platinum records on your wall. So I appreciate you guys uh, making time for little old me. They're completely fake. So you don't have to worry about them. So I, I should get some. I should get some gold records to yeah. hang on my wall. Dude, do you want me to send you these, man? They're like, I mean, they cost us nothing. I'll, I'll, I'll take one. Why not? I'd be like, oh, that's no, that's Travis Mills. It's not mine, but I just thought it looked cool. Finn, I just want to say, man, I love the show. And uh, when we found out that we were going to do this with you, I was so fucking excited. So thank you so much for having us, man. Oh, cool. Same here. You know, I, I remember, uh, I remember you from back when, uh, you were doing uh, like stupid boy. Oh God. You know, okay. <laughs> I You're said an OG, earlier, dude. That's right. I said earlier, I'm guessing Travis probably, uh, isn't a fan of that stuff, uh, so much anymore, but I thought it was, I thought it was cool. It was fun. Do you want to know what I equated to, man? I equated to like your sixth grade yearbook, yeah. right? Like your yearbook photo in sixth grade, like the night before you went to go take your yearbook photo, you, you laid your outfit out, you fucking ironed it, right? Like you felt fresh when yeah. you went to school that day. Then you look back on it and you're like, why did I wear the puka shell necklace? You know, why did I, why did I wear that t-shirt? Why did I have my hair like that? That's what I equated to. I don't, I don't hate those songs. They were, you know, obviously it got me here. Um, the songs are good. And, thanks, man. And a lot of people loved them. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I equate that to like looking at like your sixth grade yearbook photo. Got it. Yeah. And uh, Nick, you're involved in a few things. Um, for anybody who's not familiar, um, can you introduce yourself and tell us what you have going on aside from Girlfriends? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, drummer for girlfriends. I've been having a lot of fun putting this project together over the last two years. But yeah, I got a um, somehow ended up talking with schools and districts 12 hours a day. I was the number one student who hated school probably the most out of anybody, probably more than even Travis. And somehow I end up talking to schools and school districts and students for the better parts of my days. And a company called Find Your Grind. That's a uh, education ed tech startup. So we're all about helping kids discover more about who they want to be, where they want to go. Um, we do that through the lens of just 
emerging careers and cool industries and just showing kids what the real world is like in a school environment, which is definitely lacking. So that's been really fun. I do want to ask you about that. I want to make sure we talk about girlfriends first, but I, I do want to ask you about that because it sounds interesting. Yeah, hundred percent. And then obviously our, our record label, Big Noise, that I started with John Feldman and uh, my other friend, John Cohen, which we've had for about four years now and working with a bunch of great acts um, and uh, a bunch of stuff, man. There's other things, but those are kind of the, the, the key focus areas for me right now. Yeah. Well, so you guys both have a lot going on. What made you decide to do this project and like how, how serious is it for you guys? I mean, for me, you know, I had taken like three or four years off from releasing music as a solo artist. And I really was focused on like writing and producing for other artists, which is a lot of what you see back there. And I found a lot of success in that, um, which was crazy because it was like, you know, me walking away from some, from, from something for a little bit and kind of getting to, to approach it with like a new, a new energy and a new love for it. And I started having success with like writing songs for other artists and, you know, watching that lead to record deals and them getting huge tours. And I was like, man, this is amazing. I was like, why am I not doing this for myself? Like, why did I even stop in the first place? And I was like, well, if I want to make music again, I know that I want to do it different, um, different than what I did. I didn't want to just kind of like reignite the same project. And Nick and I had been friends for years at that point. And it just so happened that like one day in December in 2019, he posted something about missing being on tour and wanting to be on tour and, you know, playing the drums and stuff. And I saw it on Instagram. I was driving and I literally like just picked up my phone after I saw that story and I called him I was like, yo, I, I feel the exact same way. I've been wanting to start something new. Um, I'd love to start a band, but I think we should do it a little different and just have it be us two. What do you think? And he was on board. And, and the reason why I love working with Nick is, you know, outside of girlfriends, I feel like he's the only other person that I know that's just as busy as me and prioritizes the band because, you know, I don't want to be in a band with some dude that like sits on the couch all day and has no motivation. Like it means more to us that, yeah, we have all this other shit going on, but the band comes first, you know? Got it. So this is like, uh, this isn't like just something you do here and there when you have time. This is like a pretty serious priority for both of you. 1000%. Oh man, we have poured our, our hearts and souls, blood, sweat, and tears into this. And there's really no other way. Got it. I really, really legitimately like this shit a lot. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Tattoo is my favorite song. It's like, I play that all the time, like warming up for streams and stuff. It's really good. Really? Oh dude, thank you, man. Yeah, I, I love it. And and what I like about it is that it's not super slick. Like it is, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like it's got a little bit of like rawness to it. It definitely, yeah, it definitely does. That was, I mean, we made that song probably a little over a year ago. And it's definitely a song that is teasing where the second album is is headed for sure in terms of, you know, the the style and feel of what it is and how it sounds is definitely sounding like how this second album is going to be. Yeah. So what were your kind of, uh, I don't, I don't want to say like goals with this, but when, when you guys were like, yeah, cool, let's do something together. What was sort of the direction that you talked about and, and has it changed at all from that? I think for Nick and I, it's like, I mean, I'll speak for me. I feel like I'm an encyclopedia of the scene, right? Like this is something I grew up in. This is something I was a part of. Like, this is something that I feel like I, I kind of just lived, you know, my entire life. And so like watching, I don't know, artists come out who 
didn't really embody that, you know, and we were kind of thinking the funk. Like, I think that was like a big kind of motivator for me personally being like, name three songs. No, <laughs> not saying that like I'm a gatekeeper or anything, but like, you know, this is like the scene that, that I grew up in and that like, I really have a lot of love and respect for, um, and a lot of history in. And, you know, it's, it's the music that I started out making. I know it's the music that Nick started out making and it's what made me want to be a musician in the first place. So I think there was definitely like, a big nostalgia factor for me of like wanting to make the records that I wish I could listen to when I was 13. And, and it was really cool to kind of build this vessel with Nick and, and, and have this opportunity to do that with also like an incredible musician. Nick can play every single instrument. And then us like getting in with John Feldman, who, I mean, needs no introduction, you know, like he's kind of shaped the records that changed my life growing up. So it was kind of a no brainer in that sense. How about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I definitely am on the same page with all that. You know, I grew up sneaking in to Blink-182 shows when I was 10 years old, 11 years old at Irvine Verizon Amphitheater and literally would go to the Verizon Amphitheater when no one was playing in the middle of the day and sit on the stage and imagine what it would be like to play in those scenarios and ended up playing Weenie Roast when I was like 15 years old with the band that I was in down there, which was the coolest experience ever. Um and kind of, you know, manifested some of those things to come true at a young age. But yeah, I, I think it's fun to see how a lot of this stuff has come come around kind of full circle, you know, 20 years ago in the early 2000s, when a lot of these bands were kind of coming onto the scene and bands that John, guys like John Feldman and John Cohen, who I run my label with, were, were signing. And now to kind of see a little bit of this resurgence, I, I think uh, it's awesome that I, we have this vessel, like Travis said, to be able to create music that speaks authentically, I think, to how he and I grew up. Um, this isn't us faking it. This is literally, we got in the studio day one and started writing songs that felt and sounded like the songs that you're hearing on this first album right out of the gate. And so, yeah, I think it just speaks to kind of who Travis and I are and the, uh, the energy that we carry with us through growing up in Southern California. Well, you guys both mentioned this and it's something that, uh, a lot of my viewers have talked about as well. And I don't want to call out anyone or whatever, but you know, it is kind of clear that there's some people who are kind of, um, you know, hopping on the bandwagon of this sort of pop punk revival. And, you know, I don't have a problem with that, whatever people should do what they want. Um, but it is interesting to see, especially considering that, you know, now a lot of, a lot of the people doing that are the cool kids and it certainly wasn't for the cool kids, you know, back in the day. What are your thoughts on that? It's something you both mentioned. I mean, one, I think just in general, no matter, you know, who's, putting out the music like I said we're not we're not gate, gatekeepers but I think it's amazing that guitar music is back right and it's at the forefront because there was a long period of time where it wasn't and it was almost like a forgotten art so the fact that rock music is is back kind of in everyone's face and and it's making waves I think is a beautiful thing and look I mean at the end of the day I think all pop means in terms of music is popular you know like right. people are gonna hop on to bed like when dubstep was big i mean britney spears made a dubstep song did she i don't, I don't like, remember that that's funny dude she made a dubstep song and and i i want i forget who it was produced by um but yeah it was like you know what what the hell is going right, on right. i feel like artists like that who don't really like have a foundation or like have a sense of like you know who they are like they're gonna latch on to things which is totally fine but, you know, the fans, they know what it is. Like, yeah, people are smart, man. You know, like the age of like kind of pulling one over people's heads is is long gone. And, you know, people can tell like what's authentic and what's not. And I, and I don't think it's an age thing because, you know, you've got people like Jaden, who was not old enough to have been around for it the first time. But I think he does it really, really well. And it feels like really authentic to me. And then there's other people his age, 
uh, who, you know, it, it seems like it's a little bit more contrived. So I don't, to me, it's not about age. Uh, I don't think it's a generational thing at all. Like, I mean, like you said, you know, there's, there's people you can see like genuinely have a love and a talent for it. And then there's people who really don't, and they're just kind of hopping on a trend, you know? I mean, I would do it too. If I was young and good looking enough to be one of these cool TikTok pop punk kids, I would do it too. Dude, if I could dance, I'd be all over TikTok. Yeah. It's, it's a different world. So you guys have chosen to do it as a duo. What made you kind of make that choice and how does that affect the songwriting process and stuff? I just, I mean, I think when we initially talked about it, it was like, oh, is it just going to be us? And Travis was like, yeah, just you and I, it keeps things simple, keeps the business simple behind the band. We're not out touring, having to pay out five people in a band and just thinking about it from a business perspective, but also from just like a, let's keep this clean. And you and I are the only ones that can make the decisions and you and I are always going to come to each other for anything stylistically, creatively. It just makes it a simpler process. So why uh why convoluted i guess so yeah and you don't see i didn't i didn't initially think that it would work but it is an interesting twist on like what it means to be quote unquote a band today right like yeah. having it be a two piece i think is just more of an interesting approach at it where it's like oh it's two guys in a band called girlfriends you know that's funny that's cool that works yeah tell me tell me about the name cuz i i got you guys mixed up with boyfriends a whole bunch at first <laughs> Well, Nick and I, I mean, back in 2019, we're, you know, talking about starting the band. He was like, well, let's go to the studio and kind of like sit there and, you know, let's play some shit that inspires us, you know, where we kind of see the band going. And uh, before I showed up at the studio, I had this this list on my iPhone of of band names, potential band names. It was like five names. Girlfriends was the very first one. It was at the top of the list. And so when I got to the studio and I sat down with Nick, I was like, yo, I got some names. Do you want to hear them? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, all right girlfriends he's like that's it and i was like what and he's like that's the name and i was like i mean it's my favorite obviously it's at the top i was like you don't want to hear the other ones he's like no and i was like done we had a band name before we had any songs well that's that's the way you got to do it you, it's like how you do it when you're 14 you come up with like the coolest name you draw a logo 100 yeah. percent. yeah you start the band it, yeah 100 exactly it helps create yeah, it helps craft the rest of it how the music came together like off of the name in a sense you know it really works there's some weird thing about it yeah it just yeah it just works i don't know why it just does work and uh, you know how does it how does it change the songwriting process just having two people involved i mean you guys obviously know feldman and lots of other people that can assist as needed but how do you kind of approach that i mean i think nick and i have a, a great dynamic in the studio you know like like i said he plays every instrument I write all the lyrics and melodies and, and it's, it's really cool to have a trust in someone to where like, I mean, we, we just got back from the studio today and like I, we're finishing up a song on the album and I was overthinking something and he's like, yo, it's perfect. I need that sometimes. And, you know, if I have a suggestion about, you know, the instrumentation or Nick has, you know, suge- like we have these conversations and I think the, the philosophy of when we're in the studio is the best idea always wins. Like whatever's the best for the song is what happens. You know, it's not who thought of it, why we thought of it, you know, where it came from. It's what's going to serve the song the best. Yeah. I think we've gotten really lucky. You know, I've been really just good at understanding how to put tracks together and put a vibe together for the foundation of a song. And Travis obviously is, is an incredible lyricist and great with melodies. And so it just, it just works in a nice way. Well, the reality is what maybe a lot of people don't know. Reality is in most bands, it's one or two people who kind of you know, drive the, drive the bus creatively anyway. So why not just cut out the middleman? 
that was kind of our point. You know, it's like, we don't need five chefs in the kitchen. Like, you know, we'll both kind of put the hat on. Especially if three or four of them never cook anything. <laughs> exactly. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people, again, don't know this, but lots of times, you know, the bassist in the band doesn't play on the records because the guitarist is better. So, I mean, or you're a band like Fall Out Boy and the bassist writes all of the songs. Or that. You just, you never know. I, I When I was young, I just naively thought, oh, well, everyone in the band has like equal input on every song and they all play all their parts. And in reality, that's not how it works. Not at all. And when you got two people that can do it all, why not just leave it at two people? Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. What's uh, what's kind of next for the band? I feel like things have been kind of leveling up and leveling up, and it feels like this is sort of the start of kind of the next phase. Is that, am I feeling the right thing? I think you're right on the money, man. Like the next era is upon us in just a few hours tonight at 9 p.m., we have two new songs uh, off the new album dropping. So we have a song that we're dropping called High Again. Um, and then another song called Toaster for a Swim. And uh, yeah, this it's off the new album. The new album is called Emotion Sickness. It's out everywhere on June 17th. And we've, 
like I said, put our blood, sweat and tears into this thing. And, and you know, we, we got to spend a lot of time and a lot of effort on these songs. And we're really excited for people to hear them. So is it done or were you working on something else in the studio today? It's not done till it's out, man. So like, you know, we're like tweaking little things like adding vocals in certain parts and like fixing intros and like changing a snare sound. The songs are done. They're written. Um, but like Nick and I, like we never stop recording. Like even when we were on tour last year, you know, we brought a mobile rig and we were writing songs in the back of the bus. So like we're always creating. I think getting albums from zero to 70 percent is easier you know than getting an album from 70 to 90 but then the 95 to 100 percent is often the hardest part of like really thinking about how something starts from a and ends up at z right and sometimes there are things in between that you want to change and fix and alter and you know we're talking about doing all that type of stuff right now where it's like the fine tuning of everything which is pretty exciting so yeah we're excited man this next step up this is definitely a big step up for us, the second album, creatively, stylistically, sonically, everything. So it's definitely a next phase for Girlfriends. I feel like the first album was a great foundation for us and um, let people know that we were serious and a band. And here we are. And the second album is, you know, going to be another good moment. So we're excited. So a lot of people in sort of your genre now are really taking more of a singles first approach and like maybe releasing an album here and there. But really, it's about just putting out singles constantly. How do you guys kind of think about that? You seem like you're maybe a little bit more album oriented. You know, Nick and I have kind of always said from day one, like we're an album band, you know, like we want to make albums just like our favorite bands did when when we were growing up. I don't know. It might be like my OCD or something. I, I don't want to be like a band where it's like, hey, four song EP, five song EP, then you get an album and it's a bunch of old songs that you've already heard before. Like we want to make statements with the bodies of work that we put out and, you know, we want to create like moments and in, in eras and you know, have everything we want to create worlds really. And like this whole world that we've created for emotion sickness is uh, it's something that like I'm the most proud of out of anything that I've ever made in my whole career. I'm really excited. Like everything like down from like, you know, the music video concepts to, you know, the art direction for the album to the single covers for the, for the singles to the song titles, like everything um, is something that we put a lot of thought and, and effort into. We're experimenting on this rollout of this second album um, of not doing individual singles. So like we're not doing the two singles into an album thing. And I think a part of that is just due to like attention and how fast things go culturally right. today and how fast things can be forgotten and kind of moved on with, right? And so like we're experimenting right now with putting batches of two songs at a time out, which we just haven't seen done before. So instead of giving the fans one song, we give them two at a time, kind of every six weeks up to the album. So by the time the album's out, we want to have at least six songs from the album that have, have been out, not just two songs before the album, right? So just to kind of give all the songs in the album more longevity and a chance for people to kind of hear them and connect with them a little bit longer before the album comes out. So we're excited about that. Just trying to Try new things. Yeah. Tell me about the name of the album. I'm interested what that's all about. Uh, the name of the album is Emotion Sickness. There is a song on the album. There's, there's a title track on the record called Emotion Sickness. For me, it was like trying to obviously talk about the whole like last two years of my life. Like I went through a really traumatic public breakup. I did a lot of soul searching. I was, you know, battling depression and, and my anxiety and there was highs and there was lows and all of it kind of wrapped into you know, this relationship. And uh, there were times when I'd walk in the studio and be crying. There were times when we walk in laughing and like every day was kind of like the start of like a different kind of therapy session, you know, and like we kind of took it a day at a time. And um, 
Yeah, man, it's fucking exhausting. But I think the the thing that I I'm very grateful for is that I have this this outlet, you know, to talk about like when I feel like shit or or when I feel happy and I, and I get to write about it and like share my experiences. And so, emotion sickness for me is just a song about like that culmination of like the last two years all kind of wrapped into one. Um, and you know, there's like a little play on words there. It's kind of like, I don't know, like a tongue in cheek nod, I guess, which is, I feel like the identity of the band, right? Like everything we do is kind of a nod to something or, you know, us being a little funny or silly. Travis was really just trying to think of words that had the word emo in it. Kind of emotion (laughs) and then sickness after that. Yeah. Emo. We almost named the album Emoji emoji sickness but uh emotion was a a little better i think you made the right call thank you it is interesting to me how the audience you know i don't know if you call if you think of yourselves as pop punk but i'll just use that word it is interesting to me now how it seems like audiences are ready for a lot kind of uh, i guess i'll say like heavier lyrics than they were 15 or 20 years ago you know what i mean i mean i think we're we're at a a point right now where it's really cool that we can be so open and and honest and vulnerable through the music. Like, you know, I mean, you, you know, you started this whole conversation off with my, my old music project, my solo project. And, you know, back then it, it wasn't like I wasn't dealing with all this stuff, right. You know, like you just didn't talk about it. Right. Right. Exactly. Everyone was always dealing with this stuff. It's just, and, and I'm just like, why didn't we talk about it? It was just, you know, kind of a taboo thing to talk about. Like people really weren't weren't ready to have a conversation about about mental health. And um, I'm so grateful now that, you know, we could have a band like Girlfriends and I can be honest about everything that I struggle with and have conversations with people that listen to the music and have empathy for people. Like it's just it's it's so much better and so much more fulfilling and like so much more um, authentic to who I am. And like, it helps the fans too, you know, because again, they were always going through this stuff too, but they didn't know it. We, everyone felt like they were alone. So to be able to talk openly about this stuff is just so much healthier to me. Well, and that's another reason why I'm like, I'm so proud of this music, right? Because I can stand on it. I'm saying, yo, this is me. This is who I am unapologetically. Like I'm not perfect. This isn't manicured. Like I'm fucked up. I have flaws. I am human just like you. And with that, you know, that, that breeds connection. It it brings community. And like, I think that's so important. You know, I, I wish I had that when I was a teenager growing up and, you know, I did, I found that through going to, you know, punk rock shows and and hardcore shows and like that alternative scene, you know, that we kind of had to build ourselves. Right. Yeah. Nick, I wanted to, before I forget, I want to ask you about, uh, find your grind because the actual original concept for my channel was kind of talking about more like business stuff about helping people kind of find a career, you know, doing something that they were excited and passionate about a lot of like creative kind of stuff. So this is a topic that I am very passionate about. I don't know much more about what you do other than what you said, but I'm interested to hear more. I appreciate it, man. I mean, the concept initially started through my studio, my recording studio here in Los Angeles. I started to bring kids who didn't have the resources or access or exposure into what a career path in the the music world looked like. On a quarterly basis, we we would bring these kids through the studio space and a light bulb kind of went off in my head to go, how can I start to do this across hundreds of emerging careers and exciting industries to thousands of kids? So I actually pitched a group called Justin's Renaissance that are heavily entrenched in the school system across the United States. Because that's the hard part, right? It's like getting into the schools. Yeah. So I created a speaking tour for 18 months and lived in a tour bus and traveled around the entire country speaking to kids inside of schools about 
helping them start to think outside of the box about their trajectories and what their futures could look like and start talking about what it's like in the real world. You know, things at school aren't giving these kids, let's spend five hours a day at these events, really talking about real life scenarios and bringing public figures in to speak and changing kind of the mindset within the education system for a little bit. And uh, that evolved into me thinking about, well, what's a product that, I, that can really help young people having spent so much time you know, speaking and being in front of kids literally on campuses for 18 months and really seeing a lot of these anxieties and pressures to have to choose a direction early on from their parents and from their schools telling them what to do. And quite frankly, a lot of confusion with young people in terms of how much opportunity really is out there. Sure. But you also have a batch of kids that think that there's only three or four things they got to go do to be successful, the doctor, the engineer, the lawyer, which are all great and fine careers. It's not for everyone. Yeah, it's not for everyone. And there's there's tons of opportunity um, out there. And so we created a product, which is really a, a digital curriculum that helps students through that process of kind of self-discovery, uh, helping them develop kind of skills for the 21st century that are going to be important. And we have a lot of cool people and mentors that humanize the careers on our platform, these kind of a ton of video content that show what the day in the life of their career is like. So at the end of it, the, the perfect scenario for us is that a student feels kind of more confident in themselves and ready for the future on who they want to be and where they want to go. So it's a really cool company. And, you know, we're definitely trying to find ways in which we can incorporate Find Your Grind and all the girlfriend stuff that we do and keep those two things synergistic where we can. Got it. So you essentially took a lot of the same stuff you were talking about when you were doing the speaking tour and said, hey, how do I scale that by putting it into like this digital format and then give it to the schools on a per student basis or something like that? Yeah, correct. We went to schools and districts to sell this product after the speaking tour. We developed, you know, hundreds of thousands of emails and from teachers and our pilot version of our curriculum got in over 1200 schools uh, wow, in a little nice. over a year and a half, which was awesome. And just been learning a lot about the education space and there's a lot of flaws. And that's so hard because like the K through 12 space is so fragmented. It's not like you can do a deal at the national level and give it to everybody. A hundred percent. You got to approach every school district and every school differently. There's a lot of red tape, especially in K-12 in terms of how products get into the system. There's a lot of learning curve for new technologies for teachers that have to start learning all these new technologies from product, which is also kind of a, a barrier to entry, long sales cycles to get products approved. It's, it's a lot, but it's definitely worth it at the end of the day when you can like help kids and make an impact in that space. I mean, I wanted to give all the K through 12th graders tattoos, but for some <laughs> hey, reason they won't maybe someday. That. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we were talking about how the audiences now are more receptive to these kind of, you know, emotional topics and stuff. It's also really cool to me to see how entrepreneurial kids are now and just how fucking smart they are from such a young age. Like I heard like, uh, I think it was like one of the D'Amelios or whatever, an interview with one of them. And I was like, holy shit, this girl is smart. Like she is thinking like, eight steps ahead of what she has even done now. And you hear like, you know, their audience is like 10th, 9th, 10th grade girls or whatever. These kids now are so much smarter than I was, you know, in my thirties. <laughs> yeah. Kids are on it. Yeah, yeah man. And like I said, I mean, that goes back to my point of like, people aren't stupid anymore. You right. know, like right. what used to work 20 years ago and just thinking like, ah, the fans won't notice. They're right. just, you know, they're simple. That it's like, dude, we are, we are those people, you know, all of us, like you can't treat them like that. So it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's an authentic, it's an authenticity world now. Like you, you have no choice, but to be yourself because that's the only thing that will work. 
which is not a bad place to be. 100%. All right. Well, uh, I will let you guys go because I know you got uh, plenty of other things to do, but I appreciate your time. Uh, anything you want to uh, plug or words of wisdom to leave people with before I let you go? Emotion Sickness, the new album by us, Girlfriends, available everywhere June 17th. Hi again, Toaster for a Swim, come out tonight. Finn, I'm just, uh, I'm glad that I got to be on the show, man. By the way, you're a blue belt, yeah, in jujitsu, I believe? Purple. Purple, my, I'm, no disrespect, dog. No disrespect. How dare you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got, I'm, I'm white with a stripe, so. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming, dude. <laughs> white belt is the most important belt. <laughs> Um, no, man, thank you so much for the opportunity, brother. I really appreciate it. And congrats to you and the success. And yeah, man, I love watching the content. So the fact that we get to be a part of it, uh, it means a lot. Awesome. I appreciate it. And uh, talk to you guys later. Thanks. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!